Hey guys, welcome to the Swerve Church Podcast. My name is Danny, the lead pastor. I pray that the message that you're about to hear is encouraging, uplifting, and honestly challenging as well. I want to invite you to join us in person Sundays at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub at 239 Stanhope Street, or catch church online at 11 a.m. on our YouTube or Facebook page. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I pray that you're blessed by today's message and that it helps draw you closer to Jesus. You got, uh... Buddy, uh, not now. Uh, can you please go back to the uh, to the pit? I'll come visit you in a little while, okay? I didn't know you had elves working here. Oh. Boy, you're you're hilarious, my friend. He doesn't. Uh, get get back to the story, please. <clears throat> so, on the cover above the title. Does Santa know that you left the workshop? You know, we're all laughing our heads off. Did you have to borrow a reindeer to get down here, buddy? back to the base pay. Jackweed. I've got houses in LA, Paris, and Vail. Oh. Each one of them with a 70-inch plasma screen. So I suggest you wipe that stupid smile off your face before I come over there and smack it off. You feeling strong, my friend? Call me Elf one more time. He's an angry elf. <laughs> Merry Christmas, Swerve. I couldn't picture any better way to spend Christmas morning than here with my church family, worshiping and celebrating Jesus, who is the true reason for the season. I know maybe you have dinner plans later on, or maybe you have, you know, some more gifts to unwrap or family to visit. I know that maybe last night was a late night with the family, eating that good Christmas Eve dinner, but I'm so glad that you made it a priority to spend time with your church family this morning before you go on with the rest of the festivities. Today we're wrapping up our series, The Gospel According to L. Now while the clips from this movie are absolutely hilarious, we've been looking at some important truths from God's Word. We discussed the humanity and humility of Jesus as the Son of Man during week one. We learned about the deity and the glory of Jesus as the Son of God in week two. Last week we celebrated four lives made new from our church family as they went public with their faith through the act of baptism and we learned about Christmas imposters that are attempting to get our eyes off of Christ this Christmas. Imposters like worship of self, religion, and materialism. Today, we just finished watching this funny scene from the movie Elf. And in this scene, because Buddy is so naive and innocent, he thinks that his father's business partner is an elf from the North Pole. And needless to say, this upsets him, leading him to yell at Buddy, and this leads Buddy to calling him an angry elf. As I was re-watching this scene, it led me to think about all those things that I've seen try to creep its way into and suck the life and the joy out of Christmas. There are certain things and circumstances that if we're not careful can sneak in and cause anger, rage, and jealousy to bubble up. When those things surface, it can absolutely change the tone and experience of the Christmas season. Instead of being the happiest season of all, it becomes the angriest season the most depressed season, the saddest season, the most argument-prone season. 
And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Because maybe this week, the biggest argument of the year broke out over where you were going to eat Christmas Eve dinner. And maybe there's a tension that's been left unspoken. And you've been giving the cold shoulder or the silent treatment. Maybe emotions have been on high and stress levels are soaring. All of it is sucking the joy out of Christmas and causing you to be an angry elf. Today I want to help us identify three enemies of Christmas joy. And I want us to search the scriptures to see what we can learn and apply to help us defeat these enemies this Christmas. No doubt some of these I would imagine hit a little too close to home. And the reason for that is because it's not unique to you. You're not alone in dealing with these enemies of Christmas. By the way, our spiritual enemy would love nothing more more than to make you think that you are all alone in dealing with these things. But nothing could be further from the truth. Think about this. This time of year is all about celebrating the birth of our Savior. They're playing songs about Jesus in coffee shops, in toy stores, and even on secular radio stations. And our spiritual enemy, Satan, would love nothing more than to get your eyes off of Jesus and onto your problems so that he could suck the joy out of your Christmas. You're not alone in this. These enemies of Christmas are not unique to you. So let's identify them and let's pursue a godly response so that we can honor Christ this Christmas. Here's the first enemy of Christmas joy. Number one, you can write this down. Number one, it's the enemy of family drama. The holidays have a way of heightening emotions, whether it's because of the additional stress of the shopping, the dinner parties, or the mandatory overtime at work. Sometimes it's just all the different temperaments and attitudes and personalities that just seem to clash during this time of year. Some are more passive, others are more in your face, others are more, you know, still just kind of like clowns that are always cracking jokes and never take anything seriously. Not to mention sometimes there's sickness or the passing of a loved one that can be added into the mix, which can further complicate things and put everyone on edge. There's also divorce, split-ups, messy backstories, and family secrets that add to the narrative. What does it all boil down to? Family drama. And this one is not talking to that one. That one refuses to go to this one's house. This one votes, votes red. That one votes blue. That one is a Yankees fan. This one is a Mets fan. And all of it is drama. And I bet that for some of you, this is your reality and you're on edge. You dread getting together uh, later today. Or for some of you, the nightmare was last night. Or maybe it's coming up for New Year's or Three Kings Day. The truth is that family drama is a potential enemy of Christmas that wants to rob you of your joy. Family drama tends to be like a vacuum that sucks in everyone who gets remotely close to it. You might enter the holiday with no intention of being a part of it, but before you know it, drama sucks you in like a tornado. Uh, by the way, there was, a t there was tons of drama around the original Christmas story as well. You had a young virgin teenage girl who became pregnant by the Holy Spirit before she was officially married, which would have been absolutely scandalous. Joseph learns about this and he has his heart broken. He decides to break off the engagement. That is until an angel intervenes. More drama. Joseph and Mary head towards Bethlehem for the census where there's no room anywhere for them. So Mary is forced to give birth and place her baby in a manger. More drama. Then, 
Of course, you have the wicked King Herod, who learns about the birth of a potential threat to his kingdom, so he decides to murder all the baby boys two years old and younger, even more drama. So in many ways, family drama is unavoidable. By the way, family drama isn't just for family, but even good friends and best friends even can experience this drama as well. So what do we do? How do we deal with this family drama? Well, apart from Christ and God's word, we can shout, argue, get into physical fistfights. We can also ignore, throw around passive aggressive statements, not attend the party, not visit the home. But what does God's word teach us to do? To be honest, this probably requires a much longer teaching, but I do love what Paul writes in Romans chapter 12. He writes this, If possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. I so love the caveat that Paul places in front of his writing. He says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And here's what that means. It means that you, a follower of Christ, can pre-decide to live at peace. And while you may not be able to change the attitudes and the predispositions of others, you can mold yours to be at peace. I know this isn't easy, but imagine going into the family drama with the thought that because you've experienced the Prince of Peace, you're going to bring the peace. While you can't change whatever has everyone else on the edge, you're not going to allow them to bring you down. We can join Paul in praying this prayer in the letter of Thessalonians. In fact, let's pray this prayer right now because I know some of us will need it. Let's pray it together. Ready, go. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. This is exactly what we need to deal with family drama. We need the Lord of peace to give us peace in every way. And when we lead out of this peace, not only can we keep the drama from affecting us this Christmas, but we can also be faithful witnesses of the gospel to our family and to our friends. The next enemy of Christmas joy is this number two. You can write this down. The enemy of comparison. This is another enemy that rears its ugly head during this time of year. It's often masked behind gift giving and receiving. It's masked behind parties and get togethers. It's masked behind ads and commercials and billboards. Comparison fuels emotions like jealousy, envy, and hatred. It leads to feeling shame, guilt, and having a poor view of self-worth. It's what leads us to spend a sinful amount of resources just to try and impress people. Especially this time of year, so many get into debt and burn through their hard-earned resources. All for what? It was the great theologian, pre-slap Will Smith, who said this, We spend money that we do not have on things we don't need for people we don't like. And comparison will lead you to discontentment as you look at what others have, wishing you had it as well. It will cause you to grow ungrateful of all the blessings you currently have while oogling over other people's possessions. You've probably felt this draw recently. Part of it is because marketers do such a great job at getting us to ooh and ah over the latest trinket or technology or clothing. The problem with comparison is that it takes our eyes off of Christ in Christmas. And instead of focusing on what is central to the Christmas narrative, we focus on lesser things, mainly on ourselves. What is the antidote to comparison? 
Paul helps us understand this in Galatians chapter 1. Here's what he says. Obviously, I'm not trying to win the approval of people, but of God. If pleasing people were my goal, I would not be Christ's servant. Essentially, what Paul is telling us is that the antidote to comparison is to care more about what God thinks about us than what other people think about us. We should be more focused on God's opinion versus others' opinions. Our goal shouldn't be to please people, but to please God. In other words, we want to live our lives in such a way that ultimately brings glory and honor to God. From that perspective, we can not covet what others have, but we can celebrate them. We don't have to wish we had more. We can be grateful for what we have. We don't have to live for the approval of others, but instead we can live for the audience of one. Have you found yourself comparing yourself to others this Christmas? Oh, their Christmas family photo looks so perfect. Everyone is smiling and they're dressed so nicely, have matching pajamas. Their Christmas tree looks like out of a Hallmark movie, while yours looks like it's out of a Charlie Brown movie. The antidote is not to try and win the approval of people, but to live for the approval of God. Allow His thoughts of you weigh heavier than the thoughts of others. The last enemy of Christmas joy that we want to unwrap today is this. Number three, you can write this down, and that is the enemy of anxiety and worry. Now, this is a big one, one that many of us have had to battle, not just the past few months leading up to Christmas, but probably more like the past few years coming out of the pandemic. Like I mentioned earlier, the holidays have a way of heightening senses and emotions, and this includes how we process our emotions and our mental and emotional well-being. You know, I personally know many of my friends and family that during this time of year, their emotions are all over the place because they grieve a loved one that they lost recently. Because of that, all the holiday festivities are a major source of anxiety. And maybe you can relate to that sentiment as well. Some are overwhelmed with anxiety and worry because they were recently laid off from their job or they haven't been able to find a job in a long time. For some, the source of anxiety comes from being unable to find a significant other, or maybe not being able to have children, or maybe experiencing a recent breakup. By the way, even if all of this is completely unrelatable to you, you need to understand that the chances are that many people around you, your coworkers, your friends, your family, your neighbors, they might very well be experiencing these things leading to the emotions of stress, anxiety, and worry. Do you have a response or words of encouragement for them? Are you able to give them advice and connect them to the source of joy? With the heightened sensibility of the holidays, chances are that this is a reality for many people that you know. And honestly, chances are that this is a reality for some of you today. So what is the antidote to the enemy of anxiety and worry? Well, Paul gives us some encouragement and practical tools in Philippians chapter 4. He says this, Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Paul's advice for us is threefold. It's to turn our worry into prayer, petition, and praise. And so often the reason we worry is because we're attempting to hold on to a weight 
that we were never meant to bear. But when we pray, we're casting all our cares and burdens onto the only one who can carry the weight of what we're going through. The only one who truly cares and promises to be with us in our deepest and darkest moments. And what the Word of God promises to us in those moments is not that God will sweep in and save the day, though He totally could. Not that God is going to come in, turn everything right side up, though He's more than capable to. But what we're promised is that in those moments of turmoil, we can experience the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. In other words, it's a peace that we can experience that makes no sense to the rest of the world. It's a peace that can put on display the reality of the gospel that can be an evidence of the risen Christ. If you're experiencing anxiety and worry, realize that these things are enemies of Christmas joy that want to attempt to get your eyes off of your God and onto your problems. I want to encourage you by reminding you that God is close to the brokenhearted and He cares about you. He cares about all of you. And this is evidenced by the Christmas narrative. This is evidenced by the gospel. In fact, a little over 700 years before the birth of Jesus, this prophecy was given about Jesus. It's found in the book of Isaiah in the Old Testament. For a child will be born to, for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah prophesied the birth of a Savior who would redeem mankind, and among his names, he would be called the Prince of Peace. This prophecy would ultimately be fulfilled by the humble priest king, Jesus Christ. His entrance into humanity would come by way of two lowly teenagers and laid to rest on a manger. The sole mission of his life? To redeem mankind, to live as the Prince of Peace. You see, it was because of sin that the peace initially experienced in the Garden of Eden was broken. It is our sin that separates us from God and that ultimately leads us to destruction. But it is also the very thing that set into motion God's glorious plan of redemption. God, being rich in mercy and abundant in love, entered into His creation in the person and work of Jesus. The baby in the manger would grow up to be the God-man Jesus Christ, who would live a perfect and sinless life. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That's the just judgment our sin deserves, along with eternal separation from God. But instead, the perfect and sinless Lamb of God, He steps in to take our place on the cross of Calvary. And on that cross, all our sin was placed on Jesus. He bore the weight of our sin so that we didn't have to. He hung His head and died, His death fully satisfying the wrath of God. They placed Him in a tomb where for three days His body lay. But on the third day, to make our sin debt complete, Jesus conquered the grave, giving us a glimpse into what is coming for each of us. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And because He is alive, we can be made alive and made brand new. And this is true for everyone who would simply call on the name of Jesus. This is what Christmas is all about, that redemption came that forgiveness is available. The Prince of Peace made peace between God and man. And if you're here today and you've yet to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, what better day to do it than today on Christmas Day? What better time than right now? As you get ready to round out the Christmas holiday, remember there's some enemies lurking, but we're not gonna allow family drama to get in the way. 
We're not going to let comparison weigh us down. Anxiety and worry will have to wait because it's all about and has always been about Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we know that emotions are on high this time of year. We all have imperfect families, but we pray that for those in this room, for those watching on church online, that we would be witnesses of the transformation of the gospel and put that gospel on display for our families. Lord, teach us to be content. Help us to be grateful. Show us to number our blessings and not have to compare ourselves with others. And for those of us who feel overwhelmed and anxious and stressed and worried, I pray that we would know and feel the Prince of Peace this Christmas. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Guys, I truly pray and hope that you were challenged and encouraged by today's message. I want to take a second to invite you to join us in person. We're gathering this Sunday at 11 a.m. at the Swerve Hub, 239 Stanhope Street, right here in Bushwick, Brooklyn. And come on over, join us, come to the Swerve Hub. Let's worship together. Let's get together. Let's worship God together. Let's learn and grow together. Let's fellowship together. Why don't you come on out and join us in person this Sunday?